0: out of the pen podcast baseball I from a fan's
1: perspective
0: up.
2: what's up and welcome to the out of the pen podcast here on MTNV Sports Network uh, it's baseball from a fan's perspective, as always. And I am excited. Um, you know, there's just a lot of good stuff that is going on with this podcast episode. And, man, I'm just glad you guys are starting your weekend off with us. So, I am Eric Boston, and with me is Andy Ziga. How are we doing, man? Doing great. How are you today? Dude, I, I said it already, but I'm excited. There's a lot of really, uh, really cool stuff going on with the Out of the Pen podcast. And you know, one of those I want to go back to our last episode, Andy, for a second. Um, you know, we had uh, interview with Royals pitcher Jake Newberry, and man, you know that episode became I think our highest listened to episode so far. So that's that, cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. It's uh, you know, all the listeners, all the all the people that supporting out the pin. Um, it's so it's, it's pretty awesome. And then uh, I know those of you who are listening can't see this, but. Me, so me and Andy, we're both teachers, right? We teach at at the same school, and um, we actually have students from our radio and television class that are in the room with us, and they are filming what we're doing right now. Andy, yeah, that's I, pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's pretty awesome, you know. And they appreciate it definitely. And, and they're going to be, um, you know, editing the film and all that good stuff. And you're going to see the podcast go up um, on our YouTube channel in the near future. And hopefully we'll keep rolling with that. So, pretty excited. Shout out to Hollister High School radio and television students. So, pretty awesome. Um, Guys, let's just jump into it. Of course, you know the website is outofthepenbaseball.com. And we would love it if you would go on there, guys, and subscribe. Uh, Whenever you just throw your email into that subscribe box, you're going to be able to get new content as it's published on the website. Um, You know, we've got... Different podcasts, we've got written content, articles, uh, just a lot of cool stuff. We've got our our new affiliates. I mean, we're up to four affiliates now, Andy, which is pretty awesome. So whenever they're putting out stuff, you guys are gonna see that content on there, uh, and then mm-hmm. you can see you know our past uh, posts as well. So yeah. get get caught up on uh, you know all the past episodes, any of the coverage we've done for whoever your team may be. So like I said, just go to the pin baseball.com and make sure that you subscribe. Right there on the site, and then why not go ahead and follow us on social media as well, right, Andy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, there you go. Andy's excited. Right. So on Twitter, you're looking at @OTPBaseball. That's O T and the letter P, as in Paul, with baseball after it. And then you can also see us on uh, Facebook at Out of the Pin Baseball, and we also have a, a Facebook group, yeah, which we is do. pretty cool. We've got a you know a growing community there on Facebook, and we're excited to have these guys. Going along with us. Um, yeah, man. And then like we said earlier, we're on MTMV Sports right now. Podcast Network. So make sure you follow them as well. Twitter, at MTMV Sports. Uh, they're they're on Facebook. Um, and you can hear the Podcast Network on pretty much anywhere where you can hear podcasts, right? I mean, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, if you're an Android guy like we are, you can get it exclusively for Android on the uh, Podcast Republic app, which is really easy to use. Um, so yeah, man, download that or, or check us out wherever you like to listen to your podcasts at. Um, man, anything that I'm forgetting? I think you're good. I think we're good too. So I'm I'm excited, man. Uh, you know, last on the last podcast, we talked about some guys who had recently retired, and the discussion was whether we felt like they were Hall of Fame worthy. Right, And I thought it was a great discussion. I had a lot of fun talking about it. And so we're going to take that a step further uh, this on this show. Uh, but before we do, I think we got to do a, a small little off-season update. Not a lot has happened since the last show, uh, but we did have the biggest okay. signing so far of the off-season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Atlanta Braves signed Josh Donaldson um, for $23 million for a year.
2: 23, yeah. And I don't know, what what were your thoughts, Andy? Were you surprised with this signing?
0: Well, I wasn't really expecting it, but um, I, I think it's a good move by the Braves. I'm, you can always use more more fielders. Uh, it, they, it will be interesting to see what they do with some of their young guys, um, how they move them around, because they've got a lot of guys who probably need to be getting at-bats. They may um, end up dropping another guy or two. Uh, well, I mean,
2: third third base is a spot where Atlanta has been looking to try to solidify mm-hmm. that hot corner um, for really the last year. Uh, I mean, they kind of had a, a bit of a rotation trying to figure out who that was last year, and they still were able to win the National League East, make it into the playoffs. You know, without it, um, Donaldson, of course. I mean, you know, long time Blue Jay got traded to Cleveland. Um, last offseason, or not last offseason, uh, right before the trade deadline last season, uh, you know, kind of try to help bolster that Indians uh, lineup for a, a playoff run. Yeah, uh, but I mean, just a lot of injuries for yeah, Donaldson. A lot of
0: energy, inner, yeah, injuries. Um, I think a, a few more things to go along with that is they are set to be okay if he does have injuries and then set to be really good if he doesn't. And if you, if you take a look at the person that he's replacing will be, uh, Johan Camargo and he's still going to be playing. Like, I mean, yeah. there's no way that they can't have Camargo playing young guy hits. Well, didn't necessarily feel great at third, They they're probably going to try to hide him out in the right field. I would think, and they're going to be set well. It's also interesting because they bring in Brian McCann as well for one year for $2 million. That's a good deal. Bring, like,
2: bringing him back home to Atlanta where he started out. So, yeah. I mean, you got now, – now, McCann is obviously on the – you know, more of the back end of his career than maybe Donaldson, although we don't know how these injuries are going to affect Donaldson going forward really. But, I mean, you get um, – you know, uh, an MVP, a former MVP caliber player in Donaldson. You get a solid backstop in McCann, which a lot of people are. I mean, who's not looking for a solid catcher? Sure. Um, and you spend twenty five million between the two of them. You know, my biggest question was, man, is is Donaldson worth twenty three million? I mean, I, I get that it's for a year, right? But is that's, I mean, that that's up there. That's up there for a, a one year salary. Um You know on a lot of teams you 're looking at almost a quarter of your salary well, probably on the on your big league roster uh, but the one thing that Atlanta has going for them is they 've got a roster that 's made up of a lot of young players that they 're not having to spend much money on right now, so I mean, I think they could gamble on a deal like this
0: I think they they can gamble another thing is you can 't forget that uh, the cost for players has gone way up and that $23 million used to be the max. It's no longer really a max price for a person for a year anymore. You're talking now usually, and again, war is always a guessing game, but you say the cost for a war is about $8 million per war. So to make that up, we're talking three war season, which I could see him doing. And really, you would probably want more than that. If if he he can
2: bounce back from those injuries, I mean that's the thing. I I mean I don't know. I I feel like we've seen him take a step. Like the I think the injuries have affected him more than some that we've seen. I I, I don't know. Do you feel like I'm off base there, Andy?
0: Well, I do, and I don't like. If you take a look at his war, in 2015, 2016, um, well, really, if you go from 2013 to 2016, he had between 7.5 and 8.5 war. It was really, really good. Yeah. And um, the last couple of years, he's dropped down. Last year, with all his injuries, he only played 42 games, but he still had 1.2 war. So... If he can, if he can play and even not play at the same level, yeah. we're still we're still seeing I mean, a he he's still he's still, an, he's still
2: probably a, a, you know a slightly above average third baseman even if he's not a hundred percent and you know a still a solid bat the, the power numbers might be affected there a little bit you know if if, he's, if the injuries are lingering yeah um, but you know like you say you can still get you know a good a good performance out of him so.
0: I think it's a good move. I, I think it's sign, signaling that the Braves are all in. Yeah. And I can bet that we'll see a few more moves by them, uh, especially for uh, pitching at this point. As I take a look, their roster seems set now.
2: So, okay, uh, the Braves were one team. Position roster, I should yeah. say. Position players. Well, the, the Braves were one team that's been linked to Bryce Harper mm-hmm. in the, in the not-too-distant past. Do you think these moves are kind of signaling that hey they're not in the Harper Derby at this point?
0: That would be my thought process. I don't know. I don't know what they have all the way together as far as future um, uh, price on their players, that kind of stuff, salaries, where their salaries are going on some of their outfielders. But they they're pretty well set when you if you move Camargo out to the to right field. But yeah. again, you can never have enough really good players. Right. So you yeah. can never have enough really good
2: players. Well, and take advantage of those young all-star caliber players that you have on the cheap right now and surround them with some veterans that maybe a little more pricey that you can balance out with. I mean, yeah, the the Braves look set to be able to, you know, defend that NL East crown for sure.
0: Yeah, they're they're looking good and you never know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to get hurt, but I think that those are good moves for them, And I think that we might see a few more things happen um, with them and a few other people. So,
2: yeah, well, and you know, we're past Thanksgiving now, this is where the hot stove really starts getting warm, right? We're going to start seeing, um, you know, we've seen a, a couple of trades. We've seen, you know, this signing, uh, that's a, you know, a significant signing and we're going to start seeing more happen, um, You know, I I saw that uh, Farron, who runs our Twitter account, he put out a um, a poll, I believe it was yesterday. You know, where he was saying who's going to be the next big signing? Is it Harper? Is it Machado? Is it Corbin? And last time I checked, the majority of people felt like it was Patrick Corbin, and I could see that. I could see that happening. Yeah. So you know, definitely a lot of stuff to look forward to going forward with the uh, in the off season. Um,
0: You know, like it's just getting started, and I love it. Well, the funny thing is, I, I'm thinking back to last year's off season, and it never took off. Like True. so many people ended up not being signed through uh, through the start of spring spring training. In fact, they almost had their own minor league over <laughs> there, and uh, that they, they were all waiting for this season. And we already see some taking off, and it's just gonna. There's just gonna be more and more. Signings and yeah. trades. And I,
2: I expect we're going to have a lot of a lot of uh, stuff to be discussing by the next podcast, and for sure the one after that. So, um, man, let's jump into the main topic. I mean, that's kind of you know what's been happening you know off season wise. Uh, but I, I'm excited about this topic, Andy. I, I, I want to you know I feel like it's a continuation of that discussion that we had on the last episode. Um, before we jump into that let me just say uh, guys we are um, now affiliated with Academy Sports. so if you guys know the, the you know major sporting outdoor retailer Academy sports over 200 uh, locations um, yeah you can find them uh, with you know associated with out of the pin baseball now so if you go to out of pin check out their ad right there on on the site, if you have anything that you need to purchase from Academy, you know, gift cards, Christmas coming up, uh, a lot of cool stuff that you can get from them, uh, s- sporting related, you know, why not go to thepinbaseball.com click on the ad, and make your purchase right there. Uh, we'll we would really appreciate it. Yeah, we would. <laughs> so, um, all right, guys. So let's jump into the main topic, Andy. So what we are talking about is the Hall of Fame ballot yeah I'm excited to talk about this. like it was you know we, we did that with the retired players, the, the recently retired players. We said, you know hey, who is Hall of Fame worthy? And it was a fun discussion.
0: so I'm excited to see where this goes. Well, um, well let me Let me ask you something. Okay, here, Boston. Um, as we start to talk about Hall of Fame, would you consider yourself a big hall or a small hall guy? All right? So do you think there should be lots of people on it? Or not as many, a little bit more elite, or
2: somewhere in between? I think it's definitely more of an elite, you know, an exclusive club. Uh, You have to do something special, and I think that's where some of these players, you know, it's kind of tough at times, because there's some of them that have this um, just persona that goes with them, right? That, like, you just think, okay, well, they, you know, maybe made a couple of all-star teams, or... Uh, they just were a name that you heard a lot that you, that built up that reputation, and then whenever it comes down to the end of their career and you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, maybe. well, maybe the numbers don't actually back it up. And the perfect example of that, um, the last time we were talking was Dustin Pedroia. I mean, I feel like he was a guy that you would just think, oh yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. You
0: know, I mean, that's just you sit and look at the numbers. Like, yeah. Well,
2: maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the hits weren't as high as you expected. Um, you know, whatever the case may be. And there is, um, you know, obviously some really interesting returning names to a Hall of Fame ballot. But there's also a lot of first-timers and some people who could uh, maybe even set a new precedent as well. I think there's one person in particular who could do something that no one else has done. When it comes to the Hall of Fame ballot, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, I want to talk about there's two players on the Hall of Fame ballot who are in the last year of being on there. Obviously, you know, it was uh, changed to you could be on the ballot for 10 years. Yeah. And then you drop off, and then it's up to um, the committee. Yeah, the players' committee if you can get in after that or not if you don't make it on uh, the writer's ballot. So, um, Andy, let's start with the first name here. And I think this is the guy that most people are expecting to get in with this being his um last year on that ballot, and that's Edgar Martinez. What what what's your thoughts on
0: Edgar? Well, probably the best D H like over an entire career, basically. <laughs> he had a few years there where he fielded some, but but probably one of the best DH's Around and it makes sense to put him in uh, for the fact that he was one of the better DHs. When you take is a look it, at, is
2: it should a full-time DH make it into the Hall of Fame?
0: Well, that's probably why he's on his last season and hasn't quite made it in, but has seventy yeah. percent. I it's hard to say, but when you take it and you break it down, and as I've said before, war's just an easy way to look at it sometimes. When you look at his WAR, he's hidden at sixty-eight for his career, sixty-eight point four, and honestly, that's that's pretty good. Um, you talk, you want to be at least around the sixty range. Yeah, it's it's not amazing, but I mean, it's pretty good considering that he didn't have any defense to help to help back him up. Um, only some really bad defense to hurt him. So. So let's let's
2: look at the county numbers for a second with Edgar Martinez there uh-huh. Andy. Um, you're you're looking at a little over 2200 hits. So I mean he wasn't even like sniffing that 3000 hit mark and yeah. then uh, 309 home runs. I mean 300, you know, that's a that's a good number. That's a good number of home runs. Is it necessarily Hall of Fame amount of home runs? I'm not sure, like I don't especially for a guy who his whole career was built around hitting, I'm not sure if those numbers really scream it to me that yes, he's worthy of the Hall of Fame.
0: well, I think another thing you should add in there is he was hitting during a time where the ball was uh, flying out of the park, yeah, and so. You would hope those numbers would be up a little bit more there. I think if you if you dive in a little bit further and you jump into uh, OPS, that there's a pretty strong argument for him in the fact that he had a 933 career OPS. It's really, really pretty good. His OPS plus was 147. So the career average on OPS plus is 100. That would be your average player. So he was well over... I, I, I can see the argument against, and I think he's going to get in. I think seventy percent. Uh, there's. They need be they need seventy five. They need seventy five yeah. to get in. So. Yeah, but he had seventy percent. Right. Last yeah, year. he had seventy and last so, year. As he he needs seventy five. I think there's going to be enough people, but there are going to be a lot of people with some of the same questions as you. I think if he does not make it in this time, that. The committee will eventually put him in, yeah. and might as well just put him in now. I do think that every position should be represented, and so DH should be represented as well. I, I, it's hard to say with anybody from that steroid era what, what's going on. Uh, the precedent has been very confusing as far as what they've said it's kind of a hard nose nobody we think it has any chance with steroids but there's really no clue who's used them or not i'll tell you this when during that time i thought there was no way on earth that rafael palmero could have been using steroids his numbers were consistent he always did the same thing but then it came up he he tested positive and yeah. lied about it and other things came through uh, it's hard to say when you look at this era at, at players who were on the edge, did they not try to juice? And you know, did that hurt them in some ways facing guys who did juice or did they juice? And we have no clue of knowing. Right.
2: Well, let's talk about the other guy who is on his final year on the ballot. And that is Fred McGriff. Um, unlike, Edgar Martinez, who's really close, you know, who was really close last year when you look at percentage. McGriff had a 23% of the vote, you know, far off from what he needs to get in. Um, But man, whenever I'm looking at the numbers, he had more hits than Edgar Martinez. He was still 500 short of that 3,000 mark, which I think is, you know, that milestone that I look at whenever I'm thinking Hall of Fame. but here's the big difference. He was seven home runs short of 500 for his career. Um, to me, I don't get how he's so far below Martinez in the voting. I his, mean, yeah, his his batting average is a little bit low. I mean, you know, it's, some of those. But it's
0: funny because once you go away from those two counting stats, like he's just not very close. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, once you get away from those two counting sets—the home runs and the hits—he's just not there at all. And uh, he happened, he happened to get a few more, like a few hundred more hits there in an extra year. So basically, another season is where he got those hits from. But yeah. uh, if you take a look, but I mean, at, almost, at almost him, two, almost uh, two
2: hundred more, almost two hundred more home runs.
0: Yeah, and. I don't know. Uh, it, I, I understand what you're saying there. But his OPS is at 886. His um, his OPS plus is at 134. Well below both of Martinez's there. His He didn't have a whole lot of defensive value. He played first base, basically the NL equivalent of DH. Yeah. And he uh, amassed... 50, 52 war over his time, so he's quite a bit below there. He, he's a guy that's close but doesn't quite make it for me. Um, and I don't know. I think I think if you're going a little bit bigger haul, you go with Fred. But I I've heard a lot of people argue very strongly for him. And honestly, I think it's a matter of, of perspective on what stats you should be looking at. Uh, I I I think it's would uh, not account as much for in some cases, on home runs from this era, although 500 is that mark.
2: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that you know do not expect him to get in and that the only hope he's got is going to the committee. I mean, honestly, I feel like if McGriff isn't in there, that Martinez probably shouldn't be either. And mm-hmm. a lot of people probably are not going to like me saying that, but that is how I feel about it, so...
0: I understand some. I, I just disagree pretty strongly on that. Like, and it's not so much that I even uh, love Martinez or anything like that. He was just a big part of the Mariners. He played well. He was close to an MVP a couple times. Um, had they probably had similar All Stars? Let's see. He has he had seven times he made the All Star game. McGriff had
2: five, I think.
0: Five, I think.
2: Yeah. McGriff had and, some, uh, um, had what, three Silver Sluggers, uh, won a World Series in 1995. Yeah. Uh, an all-star game MVP. So.
0: Yeah. I can see the argument both ways. Yeah.
2: So, so one thing that you were talking about that
0: kind of affects these guys is that steroid era,
2: right? Like, mm-hmm. um You know, both of them, kind, especially McGriff, you know, kind of started before the start of it maybe a little bit. But, I mean, they definitely trailed into it. And so that's, the, I think, the next category when we're looking at this ballot is you're going to categorize players from the steroid era. And what I want to do real quick, Andy, I think we've got, like, five guys we want to, like, really discuss. But I want to kind of just run off the names of some of the players that are on there from that era that, honestly, you know, based on the percentage of the votes that they got last year, they're probably not getting in this year. Um, and that would be Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, Jeff Kent, Gary Sheffield, Billy Wagner, Scott Rowland, Sammy Sosa, and Andrew Jones. Um, was there any of those guys that
0: you wanted to discuss before we move on to the remaining handful from that Roy era? I'd like to mention uh, both Manny Ramirez and Sammy Sosa. Uh, a few things about those guys. First off, Man Ram, unbelievable player, but some of these guys we look at, it's hard to know what they did or didn't do. Yeah, Manram, we know he did it, and like it was, he he had he had a couple different times that he got in trouble with it and kept trying to do it, and uh, I think that that's. That's going to keep him not not being anywhere close. And well,
2: and I think that with Manny Ramirez in particular, it's one of those cases, kind of like what we were saying earlier, that the um, just the persona of him, you know, he was so popular for a time that I think you just you you build them up in your mind. You think, okay, this guy is one of the elite, yeah. and you know. Probably not so much when you look at the... He hurt himself
0: himself at the end of his career. A lot. Yeah. He hurt himself a lot as far as Hall of Fame goes. Uh, Sammy Sosa I also wanted to mention. I saw him when I was like, I don't know, 10 or 11 at Tulsa Drillers game. He was with the Rangers at that point. He was the biggest guy I think I had ever seen. And that was definitely, in my opinion, before he ever used steroids. I also truly believe he did. I think that it can't go, I don't think it gets mentioned much about how he was straight up corking his bat, got caught, and yeah. hardly anything ever happened. He went from not hitting a whole lot of home runs to sudden being like hitting 60 home runs mm-hmm. and, overnight. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think that you'll find that I, I am okay with people with steroids in some, some respects because it's hard to know, but there's a few guys, like his numbers are really good in some, some respects, but they're also kind of poor in others. It, it, he just doesn't do it for me, and I, 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 would, be, I would be disappointed if they ever voted him, in, honestly.
2: Okay. But, so we have five names left from the steroid era on the ballot. Who do you want to tackle first?
0: Well, can we do? Can we just uh, go over Clemens and Bonds at once? <laughs> I, um, I mean, sure. we we can go Clemens sure. if you want, but but to me, they're the same person. Okay. When one gets in, the other's probably going to get in, and I assume that at some point, people will finally be like, "Okay, let's just let them in." Like, I think. I, I think.
2: Maybe I think that not. I think they both should be in. I don't oh, think there easily. should be a question. Easily, about it. like, I mean, here here's the thing about. Barry Bonds, right? I want to start there. Um, is that yes? Obviously, he was roiding, right? Um, but he was a Hall of Fame player without it. He may not have had as many, you know, as many home runs. Um, but let's say I don't know. What, what do you think is a fair number? Do you think if we take two hundred home runs away from him, that that's still fair? I mean, like it's hard. You know, to, it's hard. I still, to say th- I still think he was going to be in that four to five hundred range. You know, without him. Um, But the the thing about steroids for me, and Barry Bonds in particular, is that he had the best hitter's eye that I've ever seen. I mean, and and steroids, they do not do that for you. Like, regardless if he was hitting the ball out of the park, he was still going to be a very tough guy to get out of the plate.
0: That recovery um, and the... It help. It helps you mentally in different ways. Gives you that confidence, that recovery, and right. But still, it, it I mean, can the- help. It can help a little bit with that. But at the same time, regardless of whatever he did, I think it's kind of kind of looks bad on baseball to not have guys who are in your arguably. Up there for your best pitcher of all time and your best batter of all time. Yeah. And well, because that's the state. Because that, hey, right th- that right there, Andy, is that maybe,
2: maybe. Well, well that right there is that is, is my point though. Like with with Bonds, he wasn't just a power guy; he was a hitter, and he was getting on base. I and, mean, you, he was either going to draw a walk or he's going to put the ball in play. You were not striking him out very easy, right? He wasn't just costing you know throwing at at bats away like so many of the power hitters now. It's either a home run or strikeout. And that wasn't Bonds. He was getting on base and putting himself in a position to put runs on the board for his team, regardless of if he was hitting home runs.
0: And, I mean, another thing, and I might be a little bit off here, but while we are near certain that both of these guys were using steroids, I think that sometimes, um, at least in the past when I've looked at some of this stuff, uh, there has been some assumption in that as well. And I'm not arguing that they weren't, but I am arguing that it's hard to say who was and wasn't. And Jose Canseco has been pretty accurate on the matter, although we don't really want to go with him too much, <laughs> but but he he's claiming that... A much larger portion of the people were using it than we would ever think, and he's I probably be surprised. Right. He's probably yeah, right. Yeah, I wouldn't I be surprised mean, at all. When Brady Anderson goes from hitting something like three home runs to forty in a year, yeah, uh, uh, and everybody else is doing the same thing, and it's not—it wouldn't be that surprising. And the other thing is, the rules were awkward at that time. They—they they were basically saying, "Hey, steroids isn't that big a deal." and then once the Mitchell report came out all of a sudden oh man all those people that did that they were so bad yeah and we can't we we can't punish in that way i don't know um i say i i, I disagree with with punishing either of them in that way i do think that you should probably there should be some mention hey they probably used but definitely those two should be in um and we we have Mike Messina down next and so I, Moose.
2: Huh? So so the Moose. What 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 do you think there?
0: You know, um without looking all the way into his uh statistics at the moment, he has always been a guy that I think some of the county numbers are gonna make him look alright. He was a good pitcher. I would not put him in my hall of fame with or without steroids. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to say whether he used or not. Um, I, I do think that there's some people that could make a decent argument why I think it comes down to big, big versus small hall haul here. Yeah. Um, well with,
2: with, so with Moose, um, your number, you, you know, you say if you're around that 60, 65 war, that that's, that's kind of magic. That's when you can start looking at, uh, yeah. You know, he had 83 war for his career, mm-hmm. um, a 3.68 lifetime ERA, so I mean, you know, not bad, not amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, you know, two hundred seventy wins is really good, but that three hundred win mark is kind of it, a big is elite. Deal. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and he was close. Give like I, I think, yeah, I, think, I don't
0: really care too much about wins. So
2: I think uh, I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence with him. I, I think that he might be able to
0: to make it in.
2: Um, yeah, I
0: definitely well. think he's gonna end up in. I, I just, I don't know what it is about Mussina. I've never been as impressed with him. And I, I understand he's there on the war. His ERA plus, according to baseball reference, was 123. His, um, his FIP here is uh, 357. Those are all pretty good numbers. Uh, and it matches pretty decently with his ERA. Everything else. I don't know, like and he also did pitch in an air when pitching was a little bit tougher. Yeah. So I uh, yeah. I I can I can see, I wanna I not be necessarily upset if he got in, but and I actually think he will eventually. Uh, I slowly they're starting to let more and more people from this era in. Yeah. It had log jammed really bad and now they're starting to let people in. I don't think he'll get there but that's yeah. I don't know. Okay, so here, here,
2: here's another another pitcher's name, and with this, I, I I feel like we just need a yes or no answer because I think there's that he has been talked about a lot, and I don't know, I feel like it's either, with him, it's it's black or white. Either you either you're for it or you're not, and that's Kurt Schilling. What's your, what do you feel?
0: Well, if we go yes or no, man, he he kind of polarizes me. Yeah, and you take a look. At the war, he's at the he's at seventy nine. He's really close with Messina. I would go. I, I mean, I'm fe- I feel no with him, but it's hard to say no because some of the things that he did. and Right. I I, I feel stronger with him, but the numbers might I, be I wanna, a little I wanna, bit better with Messina.
2: Yeah, I want to. I want to. I, I say no on Shillian as well. I think it comes back to that you know he had those heroics right he had those moments that stick out and and they tend to outweigh yes the bulk of what he's done so i'm with you there i'm gonna say no as well now the the last guy remaining here in the roid era is omar Vizquel, and i think he is maybe one of the most interesting names in this category because you know it's not like you're sitting here thinking, "Oh well, he was juicing." Look at all the home runs. You know, you don't have that stigma, you know, around him. Um, what are your th- thoughts on o- Omar?
0: Well, uh, amazing defender. Yep. Uh, he he played well. When you sit and you look at his war, he's sitting at forty-five.
2: Eleven gold gloves.
0: Um, Eleven gold gloves. So
2: definitely, definitely about the defense with him.
0: Three All Star games. I, I've always sat at not putting him in I could see why a lot of people would argue for him to be in uh, his defense was unbelievable he was he was a key part of a lot of teams here
2: um, I mean if defense is still in bases was what you're gauging it off of then I think yeah you know because I mean he had over 400 stolen bases for his career I mean so he had you know he mm-hmm. did that you know he was running he was uh, like I said, amazing in the in the field, but defense just isn't doesn't carry you into the Hall of Fame.
0: And i I can see I can see somebody arguing for him, and I think he was a great player. I, I'd like to see just a little bit more from him in a different way. He did play forever, yeah. Well, and I don't know. Um, so I would I would go no on him. I think that he's going to be one who will run close and probably not make it in the end. Gotcha.
2: All right, so now we're on to the first-timers that are on the, the ballot this year. Um, we have um, some names that I think we both can agree that they're they're not Hall of Fame guys, and I'll just run through those really quick. Uh, Placido Polanco, Kevin yeah. Uchulis, Derek Lowe, Freddie Garcia, Ted Lilly, Travis Hafner, Jason Bay, John Garland, Darren Oliver, Juan Pierre, and Rick Ankiel, who's trying to make a comeback, so he's probably throwing away his Hall of Fame shot anyway. (laughs) So, but I think I think it's safe to say none of those guys are making the Hall of Fame. There's you know there's names that obviously we know, but they they were not Hall of Fame players. Um, And then you have a group of guys.
0: And you you don't think Pascio Polanco's gonna make I it? I mean, he
2: should just for the name, <laughs> but
0: he played you, like forty five yeah. positions, so. right? I mean, <laughs> so
2: we'll see, we'll see. But I, I have a hard time believing that the voters are gonna put him in um, a,
0: for, a first time <laughs> out guy, <laughs> right? Exactly,
2: exactly. And then you got the group of Royal, uh Roy Oswalt, Miguel Tejada, Vernon Wells, and Michael Young. And of those four guys, I think. The most interesting names are Miguel Tejada and Michael Young. Mm. Um, you know, Tejada had, you know, a couple of. Tejada was good in the in the MVP <laughs> mix. You know,
0: he's in the hall of real really good pretty quickly, and, and I don't know. He's a, he's one of those guys that growing up you're like, oh man, this guy's gonna gonna be there, and now I would say no. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of how it was. Yeah, because I mean,
2: you know, twenty four hundred hits, three hundred home runs. I mean, it's not bad numbers Mm-mm. for him. The WAR, you know, is at forty seven. So.
0: Yeah, well, you take a look at OPS is seven ninety one. Yeah. Um, his position is it does change some of that, but I don't know his. And his defense was good, but I don't know.
2: Yeah. I, he had an MVP anyway. MVP on his resume, so that always helps. But he'll he'll be one of those guys that I think as he goes out there for the next ten years on the ballot. I mean, he'll, you'll probably see those votes creep up for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you ever see him get more than fifty, sixty percent.
0: I don't think fifty. I don't think, you know, it, I don't think he'll get it. Um, I I do think that uh, Mariano Rivera as you were mentioning earlier, we'll get it. And I don't think he'll I don't think he'll go with unanimous. But
2: So so Andy just jumped right into Mo He's just jumping his head. Yes, uh, no doubt. Okay, so the guys that are left that we haven't talked about. Mariano Rivera, Roy Halliday, Todd Helton, Andy Pettit and Lance Sperkman. I think, you know, Mo is a no doubt first ballot. He could come close to that unanimous vote, like, I, like you said.
0: I think someone's going to vote no just because. I heard somebody talking about it and saying somebody will vote no, but they're an idiot for voting no. <laughs> you know, like right? Uh, you're just voting no probably because you think there's a stigma, and so and they're probably right in some ways. I I, I can see arguments w- against. Relievers, that kind of stuff, but you just don't get much better. Oh yeah, pitcher. Yeah, yeah. No, no,
2: he, he he's a slam dunk for first ballot. Um, so Roy Halladay, Todd Helton, Andy Pettit, Lance Berkman, any of those guys getting in first ballot to you? No, I don't think so. I think if there's one name that will to be Halladay, he was a dominant pitcher. I mean, he may have been the most dominant pitcher of the 2000s, regardless of for a what while. people think. He was amazing. And obviously with him passing, that's going to... It's going to sway some. Yeah, there'll be some swaying there. Um, Todd Helton, Andy Pettit, Lance Berkman,
0: do they eventually get in? Uh, I don't know. Like, for, for me, it would be a no. I think... Um, Pettit always got forgiven for being caught using steroids. I don't think he'll get forgiven this yeah. time. Todd
2: Helton had the Colorado factor.
0: With, yeah, with and him. he was he, he would be in a hall of really good. Yeah, oh very
2: good. I, th- I think of those three guys. Berkman maybe has the best case. I mean, switch hitter, um, I mean, and, and that plays into in, into into it to some yeah, degree.
0: A jerk. <laughs> so, like I don't know, I I, I get sh- uh, jaded a little bit by a lot of things that he's done. He's just I'm not a big fan of his, but uh, I don't know that numerically you can really argue great for him either. But he was really good. Yeah. Um, you know, all these or, or all three of those, all of really good in my opinion. Um, maybe I'm a little jaded there with Berkman, so I I could be persuaded probably, but
2: so. Let me ask you this before we wrap up, Andy. Who who makes
0: up your Hall of Fame class off of this ballot? Off of this ballot? Well, Mariano Rivera is the easy one there. Yep. Personally, I feel like Clemens and Bonds should be in, but I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I think that there's just enough people that are curmudgeon
2: Give, give, give us the five um, na- Give us the five names that you just personally would put in. How about that? All
0: right, I would I would go uh, Clemens and Bonds, Rivera, Martinez, and that's uh, leaving me one more. Yep. Probably, believe it or not, after after looking at it some more, probably would argue. Musina, it's really close with Musina and Schilling for me on those, but that's probably who I would go. Okay. Um, I would actually maybe even leave that last name off, just have four. Okay.
2: Well, so so my five, I'm gonna go with Mariano Rivera, Roy Halladay, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and Fred McGriff. <laughs> that's where I'm going, Andy. I like I like I like it. I like what he brings to it. Better than Edgar. I mean, and plus, I mean, like, you were a fan of his when you were well, younger, you too, know, right? So what? So what? And, you know, the crime dog, he, play, he played the field.
0: You know, he did his thing. So <laughs> he, uh, played, he played it probably more poorly than Martinez would have. <laughs>
2: well, we'll never know because Martinez just swung the bat. Martinez was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Andy, where can the, the people
0: follow you on social media? Well, at Twitter, I'm at Zigga underscore Andy. And
2: That's Z S I G A for the people who don't know how to spell, spell Ziga because it's weird and and Andy um, is just A and D Y so it's a good you. call good call right there um, yeah guys for me follow me at Eric Boston three that is Eric Boston and the number three on Twitter um, you know interact with us hit us up like we said the big thing is go to outofthepenbaseball dot um, shopping for your family this holiday season click on that affiliate link with Academy sports, get those gift cards, get that, uh, sporting equipment you need and, you know, help us out while you're at it. But, uh, you know, go, go to out of the Pen baseball, check out the, the latest content, sign up, uh, you know, to subscribe and get the content delivered right to your email box guys. Um, and then make sure you come back in a couple weeks and hear us talk about what else has happened here lately. Uh, we're going to leave you guys with an interview. Uh, with Patrick Brennan who is a co-founder of Royals Farm Report and he also writes for BeyondTheBoxScore.com It was a great conversation that I was able to have with him a couple of days ago and I'm sure you guys are going to love it. We got into a lot of minor league talk, so if, if you like talking about um, you know players that are going to make that impact in the future for your team uh, he, he is a guy you want to be following and especially if you're a Royals fan because that's who he, he likes. But, um, you know, he also, if you're a, a numbers junkie like Andy, then uh, Beyond the Box score, they, they got you taken care of over there. They're all about sabermetrics. But it, it was a really good interview, guys. Check it out. If you are actually watching our video that the uh, radio and television kids are doing for us, if you're you know, partaking in that, you may uh, – I'm just going to look this way now, Andy, so I feel like I'm talking to someone. I'm going to talk to to Gavin, who's behind the camera. What's up, Gavin? Hey. Um, so if you guys are watching the video on our YouTube channel, um, hey, click the link below. We're going to link to the audio of the podcast so that you can hear that interview with Patrick Brennan from Royals Farmer Park and Beyond the Box Score. So we will see you guys in a couple of weeks on the next episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Want to stay up to date with Yankees baseball? Listen to Bronx Bombers beat with me, Nate Shelton, every Monday, right here on MTMV. Sports fans rejoice. My team, my voice. What's up, guys? This is Eric with Out of the Pin Baseball, and you're listening to the Out of the Pin podcast. And on the MTMV Sports phone line, we have Patrick Brennan, uh, Patrick is a co-founder of RoyalsFarmReport.com, and he also writes for Royals Review. Um, how are you doing, Patrick?
1: Awesome. It's, I'm up in Kansas City right now, and it just snowed a bunch. One of the biggest blizzards I've ever seen. So I'm kind of snowed in right now. I've gotten a lot of work done on the computer, but overall doing pretty
2: good. Awesome. I like <laughs> Man, I heard that it got, uh, got crazy up there. I mean, it got really cold down here in southwest Missouri, but... Mm-hmm. Nothing like what you guys got.
1: Yeah, everything's closed. You, can't, you can barely even go on the streets.
2: Oh, wow, that's crazy. Well, I mean, it sounds like we are catching you at a good time then to be on the show, and we really appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited.
2: <laughs> awesome. So um, let's, just, let's just jump right into it. Well, actually, before we get into your story and, and everything, why don't you tell the people, where can they find you like on social media? How do they follow you?
1: Well, my personal Twitter is at painting corner, like the baseball term, just painting corner, two words. And then um, I also help run uh, my site's twenty page Royals Farm Report at Royals Farm. So those are the two places you can find me on Twitter. Awesome. I mostly tweet from my personal account.
2: Awesome, awesome. So you, when me and you met, you were a editor for Kings Kaufman. I came in as a uh, contributor, and then you, not long after that, started up Royals Farm Report. And obviously you're focusing in on uh, the farm system for the Kansas City Royals. But let's just kind of talk about like the minor leagues in general. Like, What um, what kind of pushed you towards wanting to do a site that was dedicated just to a farm system? Well,
1: when I was running Kings of Kaufman, I had to cover it everything royals so i couldn't like zero in on one topic like the minor leagues and most of my passion was geared towards the minor leagues i i almost watched royals minor league baseball more than i watched the major league team so i kind of veered off geared in created my own website where i could just you know put out just content on one subject that i really liked
2: definitely and, and when did you guys launch
1: Um, I think it was June of 2017.
2: June, so yeah, about a year and a half in so far. How how is, like, how has Royals Farm just kind of been received, in general?
1: Uh, uh, It's done way better than I could have pictured. Um, We have about, I think, 4,500 followers on Twitter. I couldn't even imagine that. So that's it's gone way past my expectations, Um, and I believe. We are the only website that kind of just zeros in on that one topic. so we, we get good, we get good you know production and views. so i've been I've been ecstatic with the with the viewership so far.
2: Awesome. So what has been kind of the pros and cons of doing a, um, a platform that's just kind of geared around? You know, just a, a team's farm system because I mean, like you said, there's not a. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of options out there to kind of just go in and you know get super detailed about a particular farm system.
1: Oh yeah, it, it, it's kinda, it's kind of it's kind of hard because there is a certain limit to what you can cover, but at the same time, there you're covering instead of one team, you're covering about six, seven teams and. You got hundreds and hundreds of players, and you can do all these different things: rankings, um, single prospect profiles, team previews, all that stuff. So, in terms of content, you have all these other branches you can reach out to, and that—that's—that's that's what I found one of the easiest things is content's kind of endless. It, it, there's so many th- different things you can do.
2: Definitely, and um, so obviously, you guys have built up a team. There at Royals Farm, how many how many uh, different people do you have that's working um, on the site at this point?
1: Well, we have me, and I've kind of had to take some time off from writing uh, mm-hmm. due to other projects. So, but I'm still I'm still running and managing the site while occasionally writing and podcasting. Then the main guy right now is Alex. He's our editor, and he's basically he's kind of head of the site. He does most of the writing, he's on the podcast, and then we have all these great contributors. Um, Drake, he, Drake Downing, he does a couple pieces. Joel Penfield, he runs our podcast and also writes. Um, Drew Osborne, he's um, the, he's co-editor, so he, he gets a lot of good content. And he uh, he possesses our only press pass, so he gets to go down to the A team and gets to um, watch them a lot. So that's really nice.
2: Nice. Yeah, then I'll tell you what, man. The the press passes that, that's pretty fun. I got a chance to do a little bit of that as well. Um, so it's a whole adds a whole another element on there. Um, and then yeah, like, I, ju-
1: I, I just I go- sent them an email, not expecting a response. So getting that was awesome. We have a guy that lives right down there, so he's able to go to tons of games.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, that's pretty cool about um, you know covering a minor league system where you know. The major league teams, they have all the press they want. And it seems like the minors, they're really just, they're, they're wanting that press. You know, they're wanting people to come in yeah. and see. At least that's been, you know, my experience. And um, yeah. I know I've worked with uh, some of the people there. You're talking about the AA, the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. And I've, you know, yeah. been in contact with some of them. And they were, you know, fabulous to interact with. They, you know, were very. Um, Just gracious with saying, Yeah, you know, like I I was able to interview Jake Newberry whenever he was there uh, in 2017. um, And I actually did it in Springfield, Missouri at the Springfield Cardinals Stadium. But the um, PR guys for the Naturals, they kind of coordinated everything and, you know, super helpful on it.
1: Yeah, that's one of the best things is on the other side of that, I've got to talk to you know tons and tons of players and when i reach out to them they seem like they love that publicity and all that engagement and that that's been that's been my favorite part is the player side of it they they want that they want to get their name out there and we've been able to do that
2: who's been your favorite uh player that you've got a chance to interact with
1: that's a good question um there's a couple nick i've talked to two outfielders nick heath rudy martin they're two of the nicest guys I've ever interacted with. They are very open to anything we want to do with them. And then um, there's Tyler Zuber, who we're scheduled to have on a podcast. He's been, he he's he's messaged me and told told me how much we make an impact in the locker room, how much the guys, you know, how they're checking Royals farm, and how much they enjoy it. And then um, Richard lovelady has been another cool cool guy. He's um he he fills us in. Um, what's going on down in when he was in Northwest Arkansas with Omaha, he he's very
2: nice. Awesome. So you mentioned the podcast. This is something that you guys uh, just recently started up, right? You're you're two episodes in. Um, how, how how are you enjoying the podcasting experience? I know it's different than uh, writing for sure.
1: Oh yeah, it's uh, it's almost easier in a way. You can get so much more information out there, and it only takes what like an hour, and it's fun. You get to you like generally get to talk with just talk about baseball and get good provide good entertainment, good information. That that's what I that, that's what I like about it.
2: Awesome. Uh so tell everyone where, where can they hear the Royals Farm podcast?
1: Um, right now we are currently just on SoundCloud, but we post those links on the Twitter page. They're on the website when every episode goes up, so Right now, just on SoundCloud, but we plan to reach out to more outlets.
2: Okay. And how often are you doing shows?
1: Um, it looks like we'll probably do one a week. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes, but right now we're on a one per week schedule.
2: Okay. And is there a um, a scheduled day, or is it just as you guys are able to put them out?
1: Oh uh, yeah, our first one went up. We recorded Thursday night and it went up Friday. Second one was supposed to go on Thursday, but that was obviously Thanksgiving. So we had to move that to Monday, but we'll be back on a Thursday recording schedule, and they should post every Friday morning, Friday afternoon. Okay.
2: Awesome, awesome. And then you, you still, uh, you do some writing for Royals Review as well, right?
1: Uh, yes, but I also have had to branch off of that a bit. <laughs> okay. um, I've been working on some other stuff, but yes, I was writing for them for a very long time, and I enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. That's why I could get my major league content in.
2: Definitely. Um. So okay, you you've brought it up a couple of times here, uh, and I'm just gonna see if I can kind of get a scoop out of you. Um, you said that there's some stuff you're branching off and doing. Is there anything that you have going that you can share with us?
1: Oh uh, yeah, right now I do most of my writing at Beyond the Box Score. It's another SB Nation site, so um, I'm writing there about two pieces a week. So that's been somewhat time consuming, and then I also run their social media page but we're working on a lot of different projects just from a statistical standpoint we look at different things most of our coverage goes to the major leagues but yeah and I've enjoyed that a lot too
2: awesome and I I think that's one thing that's a little bit different uh, between you and myself Uh, I think you know my counterpart here on the Out of the Pin podcast uh, Andy Ziga I think you guys are real similar in that um, you're both you know really big with the numbers side of the game where yeah. I kind of go with my gut and I'm, I'm looking at, you know, what are my eyes telling me? Um, uh-huh. So I, I'm kind of, you know, at, at times jealous of you guys that are able to, to break it down into such, you know, crazy, you know, stats. Like I'm like, man, I don't know, just just yeah. let me see what the guy can do. Um, so that that's obviously something that you really enjoy is looking at that number side of the game, right?
1: Yeah, that's where most of my entertainment in the game comes from. You know, I've always had a brain that kind of works like that, you know, from a numerical analysis, sort of. So I caught on to sabermetrics and all the statistical analysis in baseball, and that's what's really fueled my fandom for the game. So that that's... I, I get most of my... That's where most of it comes from, is just analyzing the game from... Different standpoints. You know, what's his exit velocity? What's his launch angle? Can he change this? What would happen if he changes this? So, and it leads questions. Questions that you can sometimes answer. Sometimes, you know, you can never find the solution. But that's that's what I like about it.
2: Awesome. So uh, it was beyond the box score. That's beyondtheboxscore.com, right?
1: Yes. It's it's another branch of SB Nation Mike Rolls review. It's just their.
2: Sabermetric Centric site. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So I want our listeners to make sure to go check that out. And let me ask you this because um, this is something that on the last um, podcast, uh, Andy and I were talking about. You know, we were talking about some of the, you know, happenings and, and we got to talk about Bryce Harper. And, um, you know, they had said that the Nationals had offered that, you know, million contract on the last day of the season. Yeah, something insane. Right, exactly. And what we were talking about, you know, we were were saying, hey, you know, I mean, obviously he bounced back in the the second half of the the season a little bit, but his, you know, batting average was way down from his career numbers and something that I asked Andy was like, hey, you know, how much is something like batting average even going to matter at this point when it comes to this big dollar amount that he's talking about? Like, what's your opinion on that? Like, has batting average just like kind of Completely dropped off as as far as importance is concerned. Whenever these teams are looking, handing out you know mega contracts.
1: Um, I think in terms of you know general baseball fans, when they look at a player stat, first thing they'll look at batting average, home runs, RBIs, and those do those do hold value in you know among the fans, among the fans that don't necessarily want to look into the deep side of the game. In terms of front offices, I don't think batting average holds much weight there. It just leaves out too much context when you have other things like slugging percentage, on-base percentage available. So, I don't believe that they really look at that anymore. And that's that's been some of the improvements in the game. Maybe you go back to the 1980s and you know they're paying they're paying a guy based on his batting average, RBIs. When now teams have kind of figured out that that's not what that's not what's right. That's you know, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, maybe even OPS. Those are just better terms to figure out how good a hitter is. And on the pitching side, you know, I think we've learned to not look at pitcher wins or even ERA anymore. You know, strikeouts hold a lot of weight now. So I think that's where the game's advanced.
2: Cool. And it seems like a lot of the front offices have made that shift. Uh, I think there's – you know, obviously still a few that have that kind of old-school mentality. But, um, you know, I I, thought, I found it interesting what you said there that it's kind of, you know, changed the game and maybe changed the um, mm-hmm. enjoyment level of it. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was just a really, really interesting thing to say there, man. Anything that you can expound on that?
1: Oh, Yeah, I think certain fans, you know, maybe they watch baseball back in the 80s, 90s. They don't want to adapt to all the you know, new changes. There is a lot of change going on right now. You know, I believe this was the first year there were more strikeouts than hits ever. Mm-hmm. So, they don't like the change. You know, they also have the shifting, you know, more home runs, all of that. So, there's been an adjustment period for, I believe, a certain group of fans. So, that's where it's hurt the game, I guess. And, you know, they don't want to listen to going even further on that, you know, what's his fit, what's his home run fly ball rate. They, they don't care about that. They, that's not where their fandom go to, goes towards. So that's, that's where it's
2: hurt. Okay, awesome. Um, and then, you know, you talked about, you know, stuff like the shift, um, you know, having an effect at the major league level. Um, in the minors, um, you know, with them playing around with some of the different, you know, possible rule changes, uh, what's your thought on that? I mean, you, know, the, you had the, the clock, you had the starting with the runner on second and extra innings. Like, like, what do you think about what they're trying out in the minors? And is that, I mean, maybe it, it's good for the progression of the game, but is it hurting what's going on at the minor league level?
1: As long as they keep it down on the minors, I'll reduce my complaints to a certain level. I, in general, I don't like it. I get why they're doing it. You know, you can't have some low-A team filled with 19- and 20-year-old developing arms go, you know, 18, 19 in a game and, you know, use up the whole pitching staff. You can't they – ha- they, that happens, you know, throughout the year. So they've eliminated that. You know, you're not having those deep, deep extra-inning games anymore with that new rule. So I get why they're doing it. That is not something I would like to see at the major league level. So as long as they keep it down the minors –
2: I guess I'm fine with it. Yeah, that's my concern too. Like I was, you know, whenever Manfred was first brought in as commissioner, I was, I was kind of impressed with him. I thought, you know, hey, this might be a a good, you know, change here. Um, But some of this, you know, potential rule change talk has me a little bit nervous. Uh Like, like, what's your, um, what's your thoughts on the commissioner? And obviously, you know, he just got. Um, re-upped on his contract. So like, what do you think of Manfred and what he's been able to do for the game since he's been in, in that position?
1: Um, as to the rules, he hasn't done anything that hasn't, like, gotten me to a level where, you know, I've not been satisfied with his job. But more off the field, like marketing, you know, Mike Trout might be the best baseball player ever, and if you paid attention to how the MLB markets him, no one would know that. So that's where they've, I guess he heads out up in some way, but that's where he struggled, in my opinion.
2: Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, hey, um, anything that you want to make sure to include here for our listeners before we wrap it up today?
1: Oh, yeah, just heading back to the podcast. Episode 3 we should be recording Thursday night, That'll come out Friday. Um, We're scheduled to have Royals relief prospect Tyler Zuber on the show. He was drafted in 2017, pitched at low A and high A this year. He's a tremendous prospect, tremendous guy. So that should be coming out Friday morning, Friday afternoon, somewhere around then.
2: Awesome, awesome. So you want to make sure to jump on there and uh, listen to the Royals Farm Report podcast uh, on Friday, and we'll be sure to tune in over here at Out of the Pin Baseball. Uh, Patrick, one more time, just give the, the, the people you know, your, um, your, your social media hits, your website, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, you can find our website at the, the website RoyalsFarmReport.com. You can find the website Twitter, at Royals Farm, and then you can find my personal Twitter, at Painting Corner.
2: Awesome. Hey, Patrick, thanks again, man. We really appreciate you being on the Out of the Pen uh, Baseball podcast. And, you know, you guys have been awesome. You guys have been a great support since uh, we started up earlier this year. And so definitely uh, appreciate you guys for that. And I look forward to having you guys uh, be, you know, guests on the show and hopefully the not-too-distant future. Yeah, we'll
1: have to send someone else on the side. Maybe we can get Alex Uh on here.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll talk to Alex. I I don't know, man. He might be a little too busy for me. I don't know. <laughs> but all right. So guys, you were uh, listening to the Out of the Pin podcast with uh, Eric Boston, my guest, of course. Like I was, Patrick uh, Brennan, and we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys are back here in a couple weeks for the next episode. We will see you then. Happy. Baseball fans rejoice. It's my team, my voice for the most baseball coverage on MTMV sports. Tune into the out of the pin podcast every other Friday night. Join me, Eric Boston, and the rest of the out of the pin baseball team as we bring you interviews, discussions, and the latest happenings from around the baseball world. It's the out of the pin podcast. Check out our website at out where you always get baseball from a fan's perspective.